Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. If you've ever donated blood, you'll know that feeling you get when you walk out of the door of the blood bank. You're glad you've done your bit, but you hope nobody's actually going to need it in the near future. In developing countries, it isn't always easy to locate blood in an emergency. In some countries, there are few facilities where this is possible, and centres might actually be a long way away from where you live. In Nigeria, one woman decided to take the matter into her own hands. The main problem Life Bank would be structured to solve is distribution. Uh, that if there is blood available, making sure that the people who need it get it in the right condition and on time. And that's when Life Bank was created. This is Small Changes, a podcast about how sometimes the seemingly smallest change can have the biggest impact. This week, I speak to a woman who's made it her life's mission to ensure the safe access to healthcare essentials like blood for hospitals in Nigeria. I'm Lucy Lamble. Um, we operate in two cities, Lagos and Abuja, in Nigeria. Uh, we help busy hospital system find the medical products they need. Uh, things like blood, oxygen... Temi Giwa Toboson uh, is the founder and CEO of LifeBank a company that collects blood and organises its distribution to hospitals and patients who need it. An award-winning innovator, she's been named one of the BBC's 100 women in 2014 and a positive female role model for the fourth industrial revolution by the World Economic Forum on Africa. As she explains, her upbringing played an important role in helping her get to where she is today. Um, it was really interesting. Uh, I was, um, I, my parents uh, were educators. My dad worked at a university in southwest Nigeria and uh, my, my mom was a teacher. So there was always going to be interest in your schooling? Yes, absolutely. A lot of interest. I had uh, five siblings, so there were six children. Uh, so we really had like an interest in childhood and uh, it was really fun. We would, you know, we lived in the school quarters where the professors lived. So we really had a lot of fun with other kids whose parents were educators as well. Uh, so it was really a, a nice, um, normal, middle-class uh, childhood. Things changed for the family when Temi was 10 years old. Her parents won the US diversity immigrant visa and left for the States with her three older siblings. And um, myself and uh, my two little siblings went to live with my grandma. Five years later, 
the family was reunited when Temi and her siblings joined her parents in Minnesota. It was a big change for the young teenager. I remember uh, struggling a little bit the first term in school uh, because um, I really couldn't, I, I mean, I'd always spoken English and English was the first two language that I had, but I couldn't really understand American accents and I had to sit in, in class. I tested pretty well, uh, so I wasn't uh, put into English as a second language class, but that didn't mean that I understood English very well. So that was really interesting, being able to fit into that American society uh, and figuring out how to sort of navigate this completely new world um, of, of in the States. But because I had three older siblings that had lived in the U.S. for five years before um, I um, was brought to the U.S., I basically had a lot of help navigating my way around social social world. And yeah, so it was, it was a lot less uh, difficult than it would have been if I had to sort of start by myself all over again. Temi hadn't always wanted to reinvent the health industry in Nigeria, but she had wanted to try and help people in other ways. Ever since I was a little girl, even before my parents left Nigeria, I always thought I would be a lawyer. And I think the reason why was um, there was a very popular um, human rights lawyer in, when I was growing up in, the, in southwestern Nigeria. Uh, his name is uh, Gani Fawayimi, and he was very famous. And as a little girl, I think I was really like taken in by his defense of, of people who were weak and powerless and basically defending their human rights. I, I, of course, I wouldn't think about it this way, but I just thought, I mean, at the time, I wouldn't think about it that I was really interested in his uh, defense of human rights, but everyone just always talked about him with her, and I love that, and I wanted to be just like him. This dream to be a lawyer followed her all the way through her formative years, and she started taking steps to achieve this goal when she got to high school in the US. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I would volunteer with a family friend who was also a lawyer in Minneapolis, and um, I would go to court with her. I loved it. I loved the law. I was, um, by the time I was in second year of university, I'd already started studying for, for LSAT, which is like the entrance examination to law school uh, in the US. Temi's plans changed as soon as she volunteered for the Model United Nations, a programme that teaches students about diplomacy and what it would be like to actually work for the UN. So basically we had to do research, we had countries we represented, uh, and we had to do so much research and put in uh, resolutions. And I loved that process. It was so amazing, fascinating to me that a bunch of people could sit down, uh, come up with resolutions to solve human problems. And I was just taken by it. I loved it. And I immediately thought that I couldn't study law because that was now boring. I wanted to be in the United Nations, um, arguing resolutions, uh, helping to solve of uh, social problems. After receiving her bachelor's degree, she moved to California to study international public policy in the hope that this would eventually lead to her joining the UN. Once again, however, things changed. Between year one and year two in my school, you're really encouraged to go to any developing country and work for three months. So I decided to go live in northern Nigeria for three months and, and work there. While I was there, I was volunteering for a health project, uh, which was really random. I didn't choose healthcare specifically because I just wanted to be in the UN. But I just, that was where I could get the fellowship, I mean the internship. I was doing household surveys, so I sort of 
always traveled between Jigawa State, uh, Kano State, and Kaduna State. During one of these uh, visits to a small village um, outside Kano, the team was chance to meet a young lady who had been in childbirth, and she had apparently, uh, what, what we were told was that she had been in labor for three days, and that um, everyone was waiting for her to die because they didn't have the resources to take her to a good hospital where she could get emergency C-section. And I remember being taken so seriously by her story. I basically had a little meltdown and I was just completely floored that uh, someone like this who was very similar to my age, I think she was about 18 and I was uh, 20, 21, 22 at the time, I was 22. And I just felt very taken by her story and how uh, if my parents had maybe not been professors and if maybe my, uh, we didn't win the visa lottery, that, that could be my story. I was very taken by her story and I knew then and there that I found my calling. After the break, we'll hear more about how this decision led to Temi founding LifeBank and how she came to the conclusion that sometimes a business can work better for the people you're trying to help than an NGO. I was just really taken by the fact that you could do business and you can save the world at the same time. We'll be back after this. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Today in Focus is a new Guardian podcast that brings you closer to our journalism by getting behind the news every weekday. You'll join me, Anushka Astana, talking to people at the centre of the big stories impacting our world. We'll use personal perspectives and expert analysis to put you at the heart of what matters. Listen to Today in Focus and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you choose to listen. Welcome back to Small Changes. I'm Lucy Lamble. This week, we're talking to Temi Guiwetobosong, the founder and CEO of the medical startup LifeBank. I returned back to my school, changed my major from international, from public policy to management, because I really... After working for three months in northern Nigeria and witnessing one woman's horror childbirth experience, Temi moved back to California 
and changed her major. Because I really knew that now I'm not going to go to the UN, I'm not going to write uh, re resolutions, I'm going to be in the field working directly uh, with my hands getting dirty and helping solve the sort of entrenched systems problem that led to this young lady uh, waiting to die where she could have been helped by just moving her to a hospital where she could get C-section. Tammy also travelled to Uganda to work on the Millennium Villages project, the brainchild of the American economist Jeffrey Sachs. The idea was to invest millions of dollars in an intensive focus on 15 villages on the African continent. Temi used her experience working in Uganda in setting up LifeBank. That was when I started realising that NGOs were not a model that I wanted to work in forever. I think that was when I realised that sometimes allowing people you are helping to choose using their resources it's probably the best way to ensure that you're really actually making impact. And the best way to do that is not to get international organizations to fund you, it's to allow uh, the local population to sort of decide on your business or not using their resources. Fast forward to 2012, when Temi decided to move back to Nigeria, where she got married and founded what was at the time called the 1% project. All along, I knew that uh, I was going to focus on maternal health care. And I, of course, read everything that I could find about this problem. I was taken by postpartum hemorrhage because I felt like I could do something about it. Uh, the best solution to women bleeding to death during childbirth is to stop the bleeding and replace the blood she's lost. And even if you can't stop the bleeding, you can keep replacing the blood until our, our body learns to clot. Um, and I just remember saying, okay, this is something I could solve. This is awesome. I'm going to do something about it. Uh, I always had a full-time job throughout this, um, but I started 1% Project to try and inspire a new generation of blood donors. There was also a specific incident which convinced her to focus on blood donation. At least 16 people have been killed in Nigeria following an attack on the United Nations headquarters in the capital, Abuja. The Red Cross says another 11 people were injured after a bomb exploded outside the UN building and that the death toll is likely to rise. The Islamist group Boko Haram took responsibility for the attack. For Temi, it was an indication of just how badly needed her 1% project was. And I remember when that uh, attack happened, everyone was on Twitter trying to find blood, trying to find blood, everyone was like, asking blood donors, blood donors, blood donors, people need blood. There's no blood in the blood banks, um, at the National Hospital. And that was the conversation on Twitter for, for almost a week um, after that attack. And I knew that then and there that um, that was what I'm going to sort of spend my time uh, doing. And it was, it was like that last catalyst to push me towards doing 1% Project. Initially, she felt she had little choice but to register the 1% project as an NGO. I didn't really want to start out as an NGO, but that was all I knew. And uh, so I decided to go with an NGO. But I, I worked on it for two, two and a half years, and we were able to collect quite a lot of blood. We were able to convince quite a lot of people to sign up to be, become blood donors. But I, I, didn't, I wasn't quite satisfied with the skill that we had. So I started doing some more research on what are sort of, because people were still dying. And at the time, I'd now been known as the blood lady on Twitter. And anytime someone had a need for blood, anytime someone died from lack of blood, 
someone who sort of tagged me on it on Twitter. So it had become like um, something I couldn't get away from. So I started thinking deeply about why those problems still persist, even though I was working so hard to make sure that we have enough blood in organizations across Nigeria. So the biggest problem wasn't really access to blood, but the bigger problem is distribution. And to be quite honest, in Nigeria, in the developing world, uh, distribution is always the biggest problem that every sector faces. Uh, so when I realized that it was distribution, I knew you, you couldn't do distribution uh, at scale with an NGO model. That you needed sort of like a business model so that you can raise capital, you can raise patient capital uh, to be able to scale and grow your business quickly. So Temi left the NGO life behind and the enterprise LifeBank was born, which still stands today. It took one very special arrival for Temi to realise that she needed to quit her day job and put all of her time into this new business. I became a mom and it was a very difficult birth. I had to have an emergency C-section. I was sick before, I was very sick before and very sick after. Um, we were on bed rest for quite a long time, but it was just a very difficult situation. And I was very lucky to have excellent healthcare. Um, I had every single thing that I needed. And that forced me to sort of uh, decide if I was gonna do something about this, I needed to do it full time, uh, not just after half-asset, um, because while I was, like I mentioned, while I was doing 1% project, I always had a full-time job, um, and I was always just doing 1% project on the side. So that was sort of the catalyst that first me to say, this has to be a full-time thing, this has to be your life's work, this has to be something you put your entire energy and your entire focus on it. Access to universal healthcare is being called for in many countries around the world but Temi explains why she feels it hasn't yet taken off in Nigeria. I think actually it's a very simple problem. Um, Nigeria is unable to count the people who live in Nigeria, right? Uh, we're not able to uniquely identify every single Nigerian. And if you can't do that, you can't build a universal health system. It's just not, not, not possible. Uh, you need to be able to know who's who, who's going to need what access for you to use uh, things like artificial intelligence tool to predict usage so you can make sure you have enough funding so uh, no one is sort of shut out uh, in this UHC plan. So I think that's like the fundamental problem we need to solve before we start thinking about building a, a universal health coverage. It's not something that a lot of people pay attention to, but it's very, very key as far as I'm concerned. Temi has won several innovation awards and LifeBank has been praised by many around the world. Despite all she has achieved, she has no plans to slow down. I want to solve this same problem everywhere where this problem exists. Uh, that's my main focus at this moment. Um, we envision LifeBank India, LifeBank in Southeast Asia, LifeBank in South America. My primary focus right now is uh, scaling this organization and scaling our model to everywhere where it could be of impact. Uh, to the world. And final question, what do you say to and share with young Nigerians who are looking for opportunities and wanting to make their mark? I say problems are opportunities. When you see a problem in your community, if you can't be creative, if you can't be creative and smart and come up with a, a smart business model that can scale, 
that's an amazing opportunity that would not only be impactful but change your life forever uh, so see problems in your community as an opportunity for impact and, and self-growth you can find a link to LifeBank on this week's episode description on the Guardian website. But that's it from us this year. It's been a wonderful 2018, where we've had the opportunity to talk to some incredible people for small changes. Thank you to all of our guests for joining us, and of course to all of you who've listened to their stories. Whatever you get up to this holiday period, we hope you enjoy it. Small Changes is produced by Danielle Stevens. And I'm Lucy Lamble. As always, thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.